Welcome to History Makers. Today our guest is Bronwyn Healy. Bronwyn lives in Brisbane with her husband and three children. After a good upbringing, she fell into a life of drug addiction and prostitution. Bronwyn has authored a book called Trophy of Grace, and she regularly speaks to schools, churches, seminars and parliaments about how her life got back on track. Welcome, Bronwyn. How are you going? Good, thanks, Matt. It's great to have you along today. Thanks for having me. What have you been up to? I hear you've been travelling. I've been travelling, yeah. Well, like you said, I've got a husband and three kids, so I do that. And in my spare time, I say, ha-ha, um, I do a bit of travelling. I go all around Australia, wherever will have me, to hear my story. I did one of those, put my hand up and said, here I am, send me, and he is. <laughs> um, and I do. I go to Parliament House, I go to schools, I go to churches, um, conferences, seminars, and tell my story and try and encourage people that there is a way out of wherever you're at. I guess one thing that you've done that really makes a difference in the world is is your book. You've written a book that has really inspired a lot of people. Um, Tell us a little bit about how that all came about. Yeah, the book, Trophy of Grace. Well, it was one of those I knew that I had to do it. I knew that God would use my story for his glory. I just didn't know how. And I did it when my first little girl was about four or five months old, and I just sat at the computer, and I believed God every day for the words to come out, and they came, and... The end of that was Trophy of Grace, and I had a friend say, I'm an editor, and she edited it, and I had another friend say, you know, I own a pre-press publishing company, of course, as you do, and they did the layout for me, and, and just everything fell into place, and it just was so obvious that it was God's deal. And then I started to raise the money because God told me to self-publish. And I think he didn't know I only had $10 in the bank, or maybe he did, and he just knew I'd lean on him. And... um I just was kind of like, um, where do I start? And I just I started asking people to pre-order and pay for their copies and give me money. And it was really God showing me that my past life of drug addiction and prostitution, and I used to ask people for money for the wrong thing, and now I was asking people for the right thing, and the money was coming and coming abundantly. And you actually got uh, the money through a radio station, I heard, too. I raised seven grand in six weeks, which um, catered for a 1,000 copies. And then um, there's a guy at my church who works at another radio station, and he heard about my plea for help and did an interview, and I had an anonymous Christian businessman ring and say, how much more do you need? And I said, $3,000. And he said, what's the name of the printer? And he sent them a check, and I'm still to this day yet to meet him to shake his hand. So tell me, Bronwyn, uh, tell me a bit of about your upbringing. You grew up in Melbourne? Yeah, I grew yep. up in Melbourne. You know, had the same friends, went to the same school. When I was 13, we came to Queensland for a holiday. And of course, we all went back to Melbourne and said, why do we live in Melbourne? And um, we put the house in the market and we moved to Queensland. Um, but I had an understanding of God and an understanding of, the, of a higher power. I just had no idea of the real power behind the God with a big G. And, um, you know, grew up a basically happy kid like I say to people I had a relatively normal upbringing you know um it was just a matter of my parents always trusted me to make good choices I I went to an elite private girls school to the end of grade 10 and then at the end of that decided to leave to do film and media at another school and everybody said to me you know I know lots of kids at that school take drugs and you're going to take drugs and I was just like no I'm not I want to make movies and I want to go to Hollywood and I've always been a big dreamer and a big visionary so that was just what I thought and I still say to people well who knows we might have trophy of grace goes to Hollywood that sounds good. You never know. You just need someone else to donate the money for the movie, hey? Well, that's we all know that's possible. <laughs> Maybe Mel Gibson's listening. You never know. That's true. We've sent him a copy. He's oh, got good. a copy. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, 
How did it start going downhill for you then? Were you at university? Yeah, I was at university. And, like, I started to experiment with drugs almost at the end of grade 12. I just, you know, one day someone said, do you want, you know, some marijuana? And I said yes. And everybody fell over because I'd always said no. And here I was saying yes. And they were all like, oh, my goodness. And I say to people, sadly, I liked it, you know, like – as you can tell, I'm a bit of a gas bagger at the best of times. So here I was with totally no inhibitions. And when you're a teenager, you have inhibitions, as we all know. And they were all broken down. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I can just be me and everybody loves me. And it was sad because it wasn't real. And it was totally false. And here I was just thinking that the world was my oyster. And so then once that stoned wasn't enough, then I started to take, you know, acid. And then I, once that stoned wasn't enough, then I tried speed and ecstasy. And, and of course, there are always not enough. And you find it, you know, you get a thrill for a little while and then you get bored and you want something different. And my start of um, my second year at uni, I fell out of one unhealthy relationship into another unhealthy relationship with a guy who was known to be a heroin addict. And everybody said, you're going to end up a junkie. And like I'd said to my parents, have a bit of faith, you know, trust me. You've taught me the difference between right and wrong. I know how to make good decisions. I just think I thought um, I could experiment with heroin. I think part of me thought I could rescue this guy from himself. And sadly, neither of those things happened. And, um, you know, due to the unhealthy nature of our relationship, having sex and all the rest of it, I fell pregnant. Um, had no comprehension of God, no comprehension. There was a life growing inside of me. And for me, I wasn't even 19. The whole concept of a baby was just too much for me. And, you know, as a lot of people when they're 19, life is all about you and nobody else and nobody else's feelings matter. And so the answer, the only answer for me was to have an abortion. And after that, the depression was so unfathomable, just in, you know, just took over my whole life this depression and darkness and loneliness and I asked this guy for heroin one day and you know he kept saying no 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 and then one day he had no money and came to me and I said I'll give you money if you give me heroin and within a couple of weeks I was using heroin every day. A lot of people say that you know it starts with the smoking then it starts with the marijuana and you know the binge drinking and then it all goes downhill there to other drugs. How true is that? For me absolutely true and I do a lot of work with a lot of young kids and a lot of people trying to get out of addiction now. And I would say it's true about 95% of the time. Um, and maybe the other 5% are just not telling me the whole complete truth. Nobody starts on heroin. Nobody starts on speed. Everybody's come from some other drug and from some other place to get to that place. And then you just need money. Then it was, um, yeah, well, I'd had a job in a cinema, like a normal, everyday, regular job. Um, and so, you know, like I had money in the bank and then I spent all of that and then I sold all my possessions and then I started to rip off family and friends and then you've soon got no family and friends left. And then um, I started to steal from my work and then I got fired and not one part of me thought, oh, I've been fired, maybe I should go to rehab or maybe I should stop using drugs. I just thought, where am I going to get more money to get more drugs? And I was at a place I'd been using, you know, heroin every day for about two and a half years and the only thing that I had left was my body. And I opened up the Yellow Pages at Escort Agency, which is a polite way to say prostitution, and started work that night. And, um, you know, I worked the streets of Brisbane for every night for 12 months. And you know the sad thing, Matt? I've had people, since I've been telling my story in public, say to me, 12 months is not very long. And I just say 12 seconds is too long. Um, and I, I really, people need to hear that. Um, 
and then it was you know a battle and a struggle for your life to get out of that industry and and finding your identity and and forgiving men and forgiving yourself and you've it's a really long hard you know very lonely road exiting the sex industry so you're in this circle of money prostitution drugs how did you get out of it um my mum showed up at my door one night and um the sad thing was that you know i i'm sure most people whether you're christians or not have heard the story of the prodigal son where the father welcomes him home with loving arms and they throw a big party. Well, here was my mum with loving open arms willing to throw me a big party and all I could think of was when is she going to go so I can go to work to get more drugs, to you know, to get more money to get more drugs. And, and you know, she was devastated and just telling me I was pathetic and she'd been looking in the death notices for my name and, and just, man, totally heart-wrenching stuff. But I was so trapped in my addiction and my world that none of that mattered to me. And so as soon as she left, I went to work, got more money, got more drugs, and about a month later, and I say to people, I think it took her a month to get over the fact that her well-raised kid was now a heroin-addicted prostitute. She made contact, and I contacted an old friend of mine, and um, he detoxed me, and, I, you know, I spent five days in hell, and, you know, it was the, the most awful five days of my entire life, detoxing off anything up to $1,000 worth of heroin a day, and just awful awful place to be and um you know i got to the end of that five days and i looked at him and i said i just want to die you know here's my mum and dad still loving me but totally devastated here's me hating myself hating all men just a shell of my former self you know definitely not the kid my parents had raised me to be and um so i was at a place of brokenness and you know, tried to, trying to commit suicide, you've got to be very broken and very hurt and very angry. And, you know, I say to people, obviously you can hear me talking and it didn't work. I was at such a point in my life where I just thought, I'm such a loser, I can't even kill myself properly. And that's, man, that's low. How did you find God in the middle of all that? It took me about 18 months after that suicide attempt and I tried meditation and i tried crystals and i tried buddha and i tried higher power and i tried self-will and i tried everything and you know like i would stay clean for a whole week and be like oh i am so good i deserve a treat i'm just going to have some more heroin (laughs) and it would start all over again and and it was a real cycle of i can do this myself and um anyway of course obviously you can't (laughs) or i could for like a week And then um, I was talking to a friend one day and I said, I've got money in my wallet and I'm not going to score drugs today. And he's like, what? You know, five and a half years into active heroin addiction. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, I'm going to find help. And I found a doctor who, you know, in inverted commas, happened to be a Christian. And he told me I had a hole in my soul that I had to fill with, you know, I'd been trying to fill with sex and drugs and rock and roll. And, you know, it was a hole that only Jesus could fill. And I was like, okay, whatever freaky man you know yeah and um he said you know you need to go to rehab and i was like rehab is for people that have drug addiction problems and i knew i used drugs every day i just didn't think i had a problem and so anyway i went to a rehab that also in inverted commas happened to be a christian one and i had to go to church and listen to you know praise and worship music and go to alpha classes and have people offer to pray for me and lay hands on me and let me tell you i was rude angry, rebellious, you know, acting out my hurt against all these people that were just trying to love me. And um, 
every Sunday for six weeks I would sit outside and smoke cigarettes and I would refuse to go inside. And on the seventh Sunday it poured rain and I had to go inside. And the pastor was preaching a message on the anointing and he said it's the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. And I'm like, okay, burdens I have plenty of. The yoke bit can totally confuse me. But power of God, I've tried every other power and they just don't work. And it was that day that I met and fell in love with Jesus, and that was in 1999. And my life has never been the same. I've got shivers up and down my spine here in that story. <laughs> and you can see that you've got this joy, you know, you've got this yeah. um, contagious joy that you've just got to tell everyone this good news. Yeah. Um, tell me, how did you find what the Lord was calling you to do in your life? Yeah, it was a matter of... Obviously, first, surrendering my entire self. And I say to people, Romans 1 and 2 are just my call cry for and will be forever. You know, do not conform to this world. You're called to be different. And I say to people all the time, you know, we are meant to be the difference that makes a difference. And I knew that God told me that straight away. And, you know, give yourself to me as a living sacrifice. And when you come from heroin addiction, prostitution, you've really, and God forgives you, Giving your life is just without question. And I love that in Romans 1 and 2 it says, you know, this is your reasonable service. There's nothing, you know, wild and fancy about me giving my life to God. It's reasonable for him to expect for me to be saved and give my life back. And um, I just knew I had to give my life back. And, and I said, I'm I'm yours. You know, literally, here I am, send me. And I spent, you know time just getting intimate and falling in love with God more and more and more every day and listening to praise and worship and reading the Bible and reading the Gospels and knowing that those Gospels are as true today as they were back then and reading Acts and going, oh my goodness, man, the power of the Holy Spirit wasn't just for then, it's for now and and that's my life and that's who I am and and like the word contagious, people use that for me all the time because I can't not tell people and, you know, I'll be, you know, I go to get my blood taken and of course I've got to be you know, scar in my arm. And I say to the women at QML, <laughs> yeah, I don't use that arm. And they're like, oh, why not, dear? Oh, well, I used to be a heroin-addicted prostitute. And they're like, oh, right. And what happened? Because I now look nothing like a drug-addicted prostitute. You know, now I look like a lover of Jesus. And I'm a wife and I've got three gorgeous kids. And my life, is, you know, Jesus forgave my past and gave me a brand new life. And I live it out every day. It's good news, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, Bronwyn, thank you so much for coming in uh, today. Oh, my pleasure. Now, if anyone wants any more information, they can go to the website, www.trophyofgrace.com. And also keep your eyes out. I'm about to do some CD resources of my messages and hopefully will change your life. Fantastic, Bronwyn. Thanks very much. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks, Matt. History Makers.